Hey folks, Nate here. You're listening to Critical Care, a show about games, community, and finding hope in a time of global unrest. This is episode 21, featuring artist and streamer Madam Barry. Enjoy. Um, so I'm Madam Barry, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm an artist. I paint mostly using um, gouache, but sometimes dabbling in other mediums, like I'll, I'll use watercolor and occasionally digital art. Um, I also stream my painting on Twitch twice a week, though recently I've kind of shifted my weekend streams to uh, cyberpunk narrative games. I do like a cyberpunk Saturday theme. Um, I've also made a couple of independent games, such as Fragile Soft Machines and Visual Out. Yeah, and Fragile Soft Machines was the first uh, that I played of yours, I believe. I also remember really enjoying uh, Mm 3AM, which is like a game about making a cup of tea. Yeah, based on actual experiences making a cup of tea at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good it's a good time. It's very cozy. Um I yeah. I I didn't get to play visual out, but I still want to go back cuz I remember watching you post like development screenshots and stuff and it looked very interesting. Um so I I I do want to talk about your your current streaming and stuff, but I am curious since I do you initially for your game design stuff? I remember you did like game design, uh, like how to or in progress streams a lot. Um, you've put out like some tools for game developers as well. Um, and now you've shifted kind of completely over to painting from, from the looks of things. Uh, so I'm curious if you could talk a bit about kind of your, your trajectory there, like coming into games and then uh why you you chose to leave Mhm So I came into games after um a brief experience that I had beta testing an MMO in high school um I use MMO loosely uh loosely it was uh Gaia Online's MMO but I enjoyed that experience so much that I went and pursued a degree in game development in college um And I had kind of a hard time breaking into the industry professionally, so I mostly took up some freelance art projects with other independent game developers and worked on my own games. Um, And then I ended up leaving that due to a bout of pretty severe burnout um, while I was making Visual Out. Mm. So like halfway, I'd say about a year, year and a half maybe into Visual Out's development, because it was, I think, three years that I spent making that game. Oh, wow. Um, so, like, halfway through Visual Out's development, like, I could tell I knew I was starting to burn out, but I I wanted to finish that game for a number of reasons. Um, partially because I had financial backing on Patreon and I didn't want to disappoint my supporters. Um, and two, I felt like I'd be letting myself down, too, if I didn't finish it. Um... I saw a video by Hank Green recently. I think it was called Hit the Ground Running. It, they've been doing like a weird uh, all-star, <laughs> like they've been naming their video titles weird things. Um, but the, I think the video was called Hit the Ground Running, which kind of summed up what I felt at the time perfectly in that like, I said I was going to make this thing, so goddamn it, I'm going to finish this thing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
And that's kind of what kept me going throughout the next, like, year and a half of, of the rest of the game development. Like, no matter what the cost, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, at least I'll have finished it. Yeah. Um, so, like, that, that year and a half that I spent working through a sustained period of burnout left me completely drained by the end of making that game. And, like, I felt this, like, almost anxiety whenever I tried to, you know, boot up my engine or make a new game after that. Like, I tried. I did a, I did a game jam after that. I tried um, this little, like, almost Tamagotchi-esque thing where you grow a slime in a jar. Hmm. Um, and just, like, it, it didn't, just didn't feel right. Hmm. Um, and I still, like, I kept going until I had a conversation with a friend of mine. Um, like a mentor and a friend of mine that caused me to realize how much I was actually hurting myself and holding myself back from doing something that actually brought me joy. Um, and in that conversation, she asked me what I would do if I wasn't streaming game development. And I started talking about like, oh, I want to do more traditional art streams. I had done like one or two at that point. And I was like, oh, I want to I want to do that more. And then she stopped and she said, like, listen to the sound of your voice and how the tone of your voice changed when you started talking about streaming art. Like, it, it, there was an actual physical change in the way that you were talking about it. Like, do that. Do the thing that lights you up. That's interesting. I, I feel like this is something that I hear a lot around games. Like, I'm not a game developer, so I can't speak firsthand, but... There seems to be so many stories of people being really excited and, and plunging into games, and then whether through uh, like studio pressure and and crunch, getting burned out, or otherwise, just kind of that enthusiasm dissipating pretty rapidly over a project or or several, and and them leaving. Like it feels like even as it's like a young industry it's also like the tenor of a lot of people tends to mm-hmm. also be very short so I'm, I'm that's interesting is it do you feel like it was something specific about like the nature of of games and like how that whole space works or is it more of just like a personal like realizing that games weren't what you wanted to be doing the way that you thought you were? I feel like I would have burnt out one way or the other if I had been in a studio. Like, obviously, I was doing this on my own. Um, For the most part, I had some help with music. Like, I hired somebody for music, but everything else that I did with Visual Out, I did on my own. But I feel like I... Like, game game development is such... um, Like, you mentioned the crunch. It's Mm -hmm. such a difficult and tumultuous industry and i think partially it's because games are such huge undertakings it takes like for as simple as a as a game as visual out is it still took me three years Mm -hmm. and it's this just long sustained project where sometimes like you know there's an end but you can't quite see it yet and it felt like every time I thought I was coming close to the end, it was like another six months of bug fixes. Um, so I think there's that where it's like, I don't know where the light is at the end of this tunnel. But then also, I think I was putting 
a lot of pressure on myself. Mm. Not only to finish the game, but also when I was streaming it, I felt a lot of pressure to like be on as a personality mm-hmm. because I was live on the stream. I couldn't just like I can't just, you know, take a 15 minute walk in the middle of my streams if I'm getting frustrated. Like that's not something that people will stick around to see. So I was putting myself I'm putting pressure on myself on two fronts. Yeah, streaming is is incredibly taxing and part of the reason I don't do it anymore is because I also realized that it was completely like destroyed me as a person. Just the the expectations there. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how anyone that does that like professionally full time how they are like keeping together as a person. It feels similarly to games, but but even more public, I guess, of just like yeah. so like a, a never ending project that expects so much of you. Yeah, and. Like like you said, it's it's public. Like every little thing, you you know, you get frustrated on air. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, and I think games have a lot in common in that regard, especially within the indie space where you don't have like a marketing department basically going out and like running your Twitters or policing your forums or like otherwise doing stuff on the outside of it's also you have the aspect of like i need to present this game and i need to respond to people who are playing it and fix their bugs and do all these other things on top of just actually being able to make the game which yeah i don't know how anybody does it uh professionally it in the little bit i've i've fiddled around making tiny like game jam stuff it's even been just like oh my gosh this is so so much of an undertaking compared to any other form of of creation that I've I've uh, done before. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. So you shifted out of there, and now so you're doing painting now. I'm curious. You mentioned to talk with your your friend, uh, and you're you're also now still streaming these paintings. So I'm I'm curious about that trajectory of because you mentioned streaming being kind of exhausting, but also now it's in a different, um, in like a different corner of streaming, like mm-hmm. arts and creation. I'm wondering how that has, how that has changed maybe your relationship to it, if it has. Um, I, I think a couple of things have changed my relationship with streaming. Um, I had... Uh, at least uh, for me, it's kind of an embarrassing moment that I had where I got very visibly frustrated on stream when I was coding something. And um, that that moment was the point where I was like, I just, if I get frustrated with something, I have to just shut the stream down. I, you know, I, I'm not going to put that kind of angry, frustrated energy out there. Um most of the time with painting, I don't get that frustrated because I'm not like fighting this weird unknown code where the computer's doing mm-hmm. something that I'm not telling it to do, but I'm technically telling it to do. <laughs> um, so it's it's not as often that I get that um, 
I guess, agitated at what I'm doing or agitated at myself on stream. Like, I definitely have bad art days, but they're more like, well, this is kind of disappointing than, like, what the heck is going on. Um. Yeah, it... Painting definitely strikes me as a much more comprehend like when something goes wrong it's usually you can figure out the source of the problem whereas computers are such black like almost alchemical like boxes that it's impossible to to know yeah. what is like if it's even anything related to what you're doing or what you're not doing or it's just a semicolon has been misplaced somewhere yeah um, and the, the reason I got so frustrated that, that one time that I had that epiphany, that I was like, okay, I just have to, like, you know, go off air if I'm going to get this angry at it. It was an engine bug that caused me to lose two months of development time after that. Oh, goodness. So, like, at that, at that point, it wasn't even my fault, which explains why it was taking me so long to figure out what the problem was. But, you know, with painting, it's like a physical action. Mm-hmm. So there's always something that you can do to correct that. Yeah, absolutely. It's. I was reading an article recently that was basically talking about the importance of having like a physical connection to our technologies, and it it resonated a lot in terms of like when I look at my computer, I have very little idea what is actually happening to make something work and there's a great like both kind of anxiety there and a a distance that if i just pick up like a notebook and start writing or doodling or something i have that real tangible connection and understanding that makes it a lot more like comfortable i guess mm -hmm. in terms of just like doing a thing and not having to worry like that this other unknown force is going to just come over it and just destroy everything for inexplicable reasons yeah. just like i'm i'm at the whim of some benevolent god inside of this <laughs> inside of this box uh what is what has your experience been like in terms of like the community in on painting on streams because i've the only experience I've had with Twitch communities has been on the gaming side, and that has been very hit or miss as far as as far as people go. Mm -hmm. So I've I've met a couple of really awesome artists through Twitch, because um, Twitch has a thing. If you know people aren't aware about Twitch, it has this thing where at the end of a stream you can raid another streamer, which means that you basically automatically. Uh, redirect all of your viewers to somebody else's stream and it's kind of this way of like sharing people's communities mm -hmm. um so like through those raids either somebody raiding my stream or at the end of my stream i go hop over to somebody else and raid their stream i've met some really great people and um every time that happens it's like you meet a new artist and you want to share your work with them and like you know somebody comes in and i'll ask like if they're also an artist if they want to share their Instagram or, you know, wherever they post their artwork. Um, and people will do that when I hop over into their stream. It's like, oh, you, you paint too? What do you what do you paint? Show me your artwork. Um, so it's just this really loving and sharing community that I feel like 
I don't often find in the gaming categories. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot of, like, I mean, you can hop over into somebody's stream and be like, oh, cool, you play this game too. Um, but I think there's more um, camaraderie, I guess, in, in the art space. Um, there are a couple people that I follow that do these, um, they call them study jams where they'll bring up like a reference image on screen on screen and then the viewers and themselves like they'll stream it too will draw from that reference and it's like a a way to learn new drawing techniques hmm. and then they'll post the art in their discord and then they will critique their community's artwork like they'll critique their own artwork and then they'll critique the community's artwork as a way to continue learning and that's not something that I've had in my life since I was in art school. So it's really mm-hmm. cool that communities have built up around that doing it live on Twitch. Yeah, that sounds incredible cuz yeah, that's also something that I've been really missing since being in school and having like people constantly looking at my work and and helping me improve it and I don't often find that in any part of the internet it's usually more just people posting really toxic comments or especially on like twitch on like the gaming side even like the idea of rating someone's stream can often be like okay i'm gonna send like a thousand people to this random person and just completely overwhelm them so it's it's Mm -hmm. nice that it seems like the the painting community there is is very distinct and doesn't get those same those same impulses. Yeah, the the art directory. Okay, so Twitch is like kind of messed around with the directories. It used to all be in creative, and then they've kind of split them into different categories. So now there's the art directory and there's like the makeup directory. So I don't know a lot about like the other more specific like makeup mm. or music or cooking directories um but the art directory is kind of often flagged as like a dead category so to speak um meaning that there's not a lot of room for growth in terms of viewership but i kind of appreciate that in that it doesn't attract that kind of almost like trolly audience um but I am also like a, a cis white woman, so I don't have, I guess, like a target as much on my back as like some people that I know who are, you know, painters who are women of color that do deal with um, that kind of thing sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. I still don't think it's as bad in the art directory as it would be in one of the popular gaming categories, but... Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's I I do kind of like that that like stable small community idea over like which I guess is kind of the the general mood of social media in, in general it's just like you have to have like as many people around you at any given time but I found that I'm much more comfortable in like there's like maybe a dozen or or two dozen people and we all actually know each other and just come and hang out to watch a stream consistently instead of just like there's 500 random people in the chat all posting emotes and nobody actually (laughs) 
is there's there's no like actual community there it's just like mm-hmm. a a swarm almost and like when you get to that point where you're you've got you know hundreds or thousands of people in your chat you cannot keep up with the chat like i love being able to communicate with the people that are watching me mm-hmm. and when it gets to the point where your chat's going so fast like you you totally lose that mm-hmm. yeah I, I usually if i'm watching a stream and there's more than like even like if there's like 50 people or so depending on how many people are actually chatting i'll just usually turn it off because it's just like there's it's impossible to even like read messages before they're flying off the screen Mm -hmm. uh what is it like like in terms of the actual process of of like streaming on streaming painting like is that in terms of like your setup is that fairly easy or have you had to like make changes to to accommodate like cameras and microphones and stuff yeah so i had a couple of things from when i streamed game dev um i had a webcam that I only used for the microphone. <laughs> um, and then I got a different microphone um, when I started streaming art. Mostly because the webcam microphone microphone is awful. But um, I have a full setup video on my YouTube channel. But to summarize, like really the only thing that you absolutely need is if you're going to do physical artwork and not like digital artwork because you can use the same screen cap software to do digital artwork as you would like a gaming stream mm-hmm. um but the only thing that you really need is that webcam to capture your artwork if you're going to do it traditionally um and like i said for a while i used the built-in web uh, microphone on my webcam um at this point now i have two webcams so that i have a face cam going as well as the art camera. Um, and because I have a two-desk setup, I put my art on a different desk than I have my PC on. Uh, just for practical purposes, there's more room on that desk. Um, I had to put a tablet over on the other side of the room so that I could read my chat uh, while I'm streaming. Mm. So it's my setup has definitely grown to a point where, like, you don't have to start out that way. You can start out with a webcam pointed at your artwork and use the built-in microphone on that webcam. Um, but I have I have made a couple of different changes and I've gone through a couple of setups at one point. There was an app on your on my phone that I used called IP webcam, I think, mm-hmm. that basically let me use my phone as a webcam as a capture device for my art. Um, And I did that before I got my second webcam. It was kind of laggy, though, so that was a very brief experiment. Yeah, I've also used that one as as I've been completely unable to find webcams anywhere during during lockdown. Oh, yeah. Should have invested in that earlier, but here we are. Uh, yeah, when I got my webcam, I got the uh, Logitech C920, I think. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of your like run of the mill. Most streamers have that webcam. I think I got it for fifty dollars. It's like you can't find it for less than I think 
a hundred at this point. Like, yeah, I've not even been able to f- been able to find anything just like for sale at all. Like, I guess there's probably people on on eBay selling like super high markups, but mm-hmm. I'm not. No, I, at this point, I'll just use the wacky phone until I can until maybe they come back in stock in in the distant future where they aren't as in demand uh, whenever yeah. whenever that might be uh do you do you feel like streaming when you're doing your art on stream do you feel like that ever changes like how you paint at all or is it just kind of like a an extra element to it i think it definitely changes how i paint um so a couple of months ago i took like a short, I think two week break from streaming. And um, I did a painting off air during that time because I I do one to two painting streams a week. Um, so most of the time when I'm not streaming, I'm either working on commissions or like working on administrative stuff. Um, and most of the time I do paint on stream. But that two-week break, when I did a painting totally off-air, I was like, I'm actually taking so much more time and, like, taking more care hmm. painting when when I'm off-air compared to when I'm streaming. Because I feel this pressure almost to continue making significant progress so that the people who are watching me don't get bored. Hmm. Um, and then the other thing, too is Twitch will take a thumbnail screenshot approximately every 15 minutes. I don't totally know how it works, but like it it auto-generates its thumbnails. Um and so I feel this like pressure to have an attractive video thumbnail. Um so I want to like get as far into the painting as quickly as possible, which kind of makes me rush a little bit. So ever since that 2 week break, I've been really trying to um, pay attention to how fast I guess I'm painting, how much I'm rushing, and like slow down when I notice that I'm kind of just going through the motions and putting things on the paper so that things are on the paper. Yeah, definitely. I can't. Like uh, I don't do painting, but if I was doing like whether digital art or. I don't know, writing, doing writing on stream, if that's even a thing. I, 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 I feel like I would have such pressure to, to both be interesting as a host and then also to like, not just sit there and agonize over tiny choices that, I don't know, it would be, it would be hard for me to, to find that balance of actually not like, overthinking things and moving too fast Mm -hmm. Uh, i definitely also notice um my viewership dropping whenever i get to like a really tedious point in a painting so i did a recent piece um where this person was underwater and i had all these bubbles coming up and just in the process of doing all of those bubbles because it was tiny bubble after tiny bubble that i'm rendering it was kind of just a, a tedious doing the same thing over and over again for like, I don't know, 20 straight minutes. And I looked up and I think my viewership had dropped by like half <laughs> because I was I was like doing these small details. So I'm 
you know, pretty close to the paper. I wasn't looking up at chat very much. It was definitely my, my fault for not paying as much attention to the chat. Um, but it was also not the most interesting thing to watch. Because, like, I do one bubble, and you've seen one bubble, you've seen all of them. Um, so it's definitely that weird balance where you have to, you have to paint, because that's what people are there for. But you also have to engage with them, because that's also what they're there for. Hmm. I'm curious how many, how, like, active people are when they're watching these streams because usually when i put on a stream it's it's something that i will like dip in and out of so if someone was like taking like slowed down or like went to get food or something i would just leave it on and and do something else i'm I'm curious how like active people are i don't know if this is something you would you would know on your end but it, it i am curious if people are like really focusing in on just like this one stream and being active in chat or I think it depends. Yeah, I think it depends on the person. I know a couple Hmm. of people who are pretty active in my chat, um, and like want want to be more active in the community than they are interested in the art. Um, And then there are definitely people who just kind of put stuff on for background noise. So I feel like it's very individual. Mm -hmm. That is that is interesting that they're coming for the community as much if not more so than than the artwork mm-hmm. I'm, yeah i i think a lot about kind of the like relationship between like creators and and their audience and and i and i, I don't know i i i can't speak at all to, to anybody in, in your chat but it is always interesting to me just kind of seeing how people when that kind of shifts between I'm following you because I like what you do versus I'm following you because I am like, now this is like a community and I want like an active part in that. Um, yeah. And kind of seeing how that shifts. Cause sometimes it's fine and people are just like cool and just want to hang out and, t- and chat. And then other times it gets into weird, like parasocial territory. So it's, it's just an interesting thing to kind of, see flip um at one point or another yeah for sure uh and like it oh sorry oh no you're good i was gonna say it's it's a couple people who were you know following me for game dev and then when i started doing art it was like well i'll just you know watch whatever she does because she's cool Mm -hmm. or something like that yeah yeah and i don't want to like cast all these people under the under the bus because i'm i'm sure they're they're fine uh, it's just an interesting thing that I, I think about a lot as, especially now when, when a lot more people are, are doing streaming than before mm-hmm. and, and developing communities and and stuff. It's a, an interesting and uh, I think sort of important distinction to kind of consider in terms yeah. of like cr- how to create online communities without making them like unhealthy or or dangerous yeah boundaries are very important there and like Mm -hmm. thankfully i haven't had people that have crossed those boundaries yet so i don't have experience dealing with that that's good but um yeah that's very important distinction to be like i am my own person this community is separate from me yeah in certain ways yeah which is something that like when i look at people who stream like constantly like it feels like most 
more more often than they're not they're streaming like people who this is just like their full-time career their that distinction basically like completely evaporates and and often but like through encouragement from the streamer as well of just like wanting to to invite people in which is i don't think intentionally like inviting parasocial relationships but definitely has that effect in large part and can definitely i've seen go in some some bad areas Mm -hmm. uh but uh going back again to kind of the topic of of creation and um feeling burnt out i wanted to talk a bit about uh this workbook that you had put out because as i was scrolling your site um it was one of the first things that was on there uh a motion to make kind of a a productivity workbook Mm -hmm. and i've only looked through kind of the previews so i i don't have like in-depth knowledge of it but i was curious kind of where this fit in in terms of like your overall career i guess as as a game dev now into a painter uh streamer kind of and also like engaging with the recognition of burning out and and trying to find new ways to create uh while avoiding that Mm -hmm. um so emotion to make is kind of about finding and keeping creative momentum and after my own experience with burnout and after some conversations with friends and members of my community who were struggling with motivation um and realizing that this is a super super common thing I started planning this video series uh, for my YouTube channel about creative motivation and momentum. And as I was writing, I it just it just got longer and longer and longer. And there were a couple of interactive work worksheets that I wanted to include. So I found that it just worked better as a written format to begin with. Um, so I started actually writing it instead of like video outlining. Yeah, so could you uh could you talk through a little about like what this this book is for people who aren't um I'm looking through it right now, but for people who haven't like seen it before, kind of mm-hmm. uh I guess what it is like more broadly. Yeah, so it covers um goals and project planning as well as um creative mindset, uh building habits and following through for all kinds of creative endeavors. Um, The worksheets that I mentioned that I included uh, are exercises about practicing um, or identifying uh, and overcoming fears related to starting a project. Uh, I have a couple of um, mood logs for overcoming burnout, and then there's um, one that's just like a regular habit tracker. Um, so you can mark off when you do practice or complete certain things. Um, so it's, it's more about going through the process of being a creator rather than the process of creation, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so it starts off with like identifying what you want to do and then figuring out what's been stopping you. Um, because the main audience for this book is people who have been struggling 
So it's about figuring out what those struggles are and how you can overcome them or work past them or sometimes work through them in some cases. Um, and I include both my own personal examples and as many examples from creators that I follow that I could find. Um, I have quotes from Hank Green, Rebecca Sugar, um, a, a handful of game devs, um, Zay Frank, if OG YouTubers know who that is. Um, so it draws on both my own experiences and also um, experiences of other people in creative um, industries. Hmm. Even ones outside of game development and painting. Yeah. I really like that, that notion of working through the process of being a creator more than just the creation aspect because I think when I look at like advice that people give to to like young creators or people who want to like finally start making things often the advice is basically like just do it without much context in terms of like what that actually looks like and I think there's a lot of focus put on like how to actually like improve your skills like as a writer or as a painter, but not as much in terms of just like the like all of the stuff surrounding that that is involved with actually like making something. Uh, so I like that this kind of exists as a way for people who don't have like those existing almost like rituals i guess of like how they they start projects and follow through on them to have like something that's a bit more guided and gives like actual examples rather than just telling them to go out and make a thing and mm -hmm. and assuming that they will be able to to understand and, and follow through on that with without much more yeah and it, there's a lot less um so like if i were to in this book talk about starting a painting there's not necessarily like a breakdown of you know get your paper out do this etc mm -hmm. it's more about teaching the reader how to break that down for themselves so like thinking about their own project that they want to do because i don't know what that project is i'm not you for instance um getting the reader to themselves think about okay what's what's a small piece of this? What's the smallest piece of this I can think of? Can I make that even smaller? Like, can I make that infinitesimally small? Like, mm -hmm. put out my paintbrushes small? And making that decision. So there's a quote that I included in this book um, by James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, which is that habits are not a series of actions, they're a series of decisions. And I, I hold that so close because I think it's so true that, like, it's not about the action. It's about deciding to do it. Mm -hmm. So, like, picking up your pencil or picking up your paintbrush or whatever um, and getting that momentum rolling. Yeah, because I think often when we talk about, like, especially if you look at someone who's accomplished and has kind of overcome these initial hurdles it almost feels like 
it's like the idea that if you will after some point you will move beyond this initial drudgery and then come to a point where it's just kind of automatic and you can just do stuff without thinking of it which i don't think is actually the case it's still constant like having to work at it and actually put in that time and effort but the way it it's framed can sometimes feel like you have to do all this initial like busy work and just create a bunch of cruft and eventually you'll come out of that and be making the stuff that you actually want to when in reality it's much more of just like just continuing to to build up those processes and and understand that you will like what you are doing now will not look functionally different from what you'll be doing like years from now but it's the the building up of those skills and the development of those processes that actually is how you get to that point Mm -hmm. yeah like every everything that you make will always be the foundations of the next thing that you make yeah it's not like you're just gonna wake up one day and they're gonna have like come out with wild new paintbrushes that completely change everything uh as far as I know anyway, maybe that'll happen. But yeah, the it, your your tools and the and the process are kind of going to to remain static and, and kind of both recognizing that as like, okay, I'm not just gonna reach some magical point where I can just make cool stuff without thinking about it while also still recognizing that like I need to work at this to develop my own personal skill. Uh I think is is important and something that maybe doesn't get said often enough. Mm-hmm. I think there are some things that you can make sort of automatic, but I don't think it's the drawing process itself. Mm-hmm. I think it's the, the almost like the ritual, like you said, of getting into that. I'm going to draw a mindset mm-hmm. where, like, if you if you make the habit of doing the same thing every day or like every week like when i when i stream i know the process of how to set up a stream and so once i start that process even if i'm not like super feeling it that day once i start that process and like open the software it just kind of all rolls out in an almost like unconscious automatic sort of way Mm -hmm. um and before I know it, I'm pressing go live, even if I'm not like, it's a Wednesday, it's the morning, it's hump day, you know, mm-hmm. we're on a struggle bus, it's 2020. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, But I have that ritual down to a point where like, you know, whatever happens on stream, that painting process is going to be, you know, the painting process that has, that I've always had of you know figuring out the foundations of my painting but that the getting there is almost like a subconscious routine mm-hmm. yeah it's like the you you'll get it will be easier to get to that point but the actual like create like creative aspect of just like using uh like you'll get better at using your tools but the tools that themselves aren't going to eventually just disappear entirely like Mm -hmm. 
it it becomes easier to understand how you do a thing, but you still have to do the thing in the first place. Yeah, I definitely think there are tools that that no tool will make the artwork for you, but there are definitely tools that will fight you less along the way. Like on the subject of painting, if you're going to use a water-based media, use a paper that can handle that. Otherwise, you are in for a struggle. Like that paper is going to bubble and warp. And there's an example in the book in the chapter where I talk about overcoming fear, where um, I was about to start this, for me, a big painting. It was, I think, 15 inches by 20 inches. And I normally paint like nine by 12. So painting something 15 by 20 for me is huge. Mm -hmm. It's not that big for a lot of people, but for me, that was huge. I was terrified. I was like, I'm going to mess this up and I'm going to waste this huge sheet of paper. And I did because I picked the wrong paper. Hmm. But in that chapter, I talk about how that's a lesson that I learned that I need to be more discerning when I pick up what paper that I need to paint on. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's like recognizing that even if you fail or it doesn't turn out the way you want it to, you still like you that was still a process and that was worthwhile doing just because like, well, now, you know, you won't do it this way in the future, or maybe there's something from here I can salvage or X, Mm. Y, and Z of just like not viewing it as a failure of just like another, another time that you did the thing. Mm -hmm. And every, every failure is an opportunity to do it better. Yeah. And I would also agree that like, Definitely finding tools that work for you is is super important, uh, mm-hmm. whether that is actual like art tools, whether that's like paintbrushes or pencils or if it's like digital, like I, I do mostly digital stuff. So finding programs that I don't just abhor working in yeah. has been a huge difference in terms of just like approaching sitting down and making something like i i used to just like do all my writing in like microsoft word and it was just just a soulless completely unpleasant experience in terms of like using the tool and then (laughs) once i shifted from that to to programs that i actually enjoyed just experience using for for one reason or another it was just like oh i actually have fun just like doing the actual act of typing or setting formatting or just like tiny busy work that otherwise could have been really unpleasant having a tool that I enjoy using and that doesn't constantly like fight against what I'm trying to do is is definitely very important so yeah take take the time to uh to find tools that you like using as well as ones that actually work for what you're trying to do Yeah, and everyone's process is different, so everyone's tools are going to be different and work for them in a different way. Like, Emotion to Make doesn't include specifics like listing Mm -hmm. art supplies or anything like that, because everyone is going to have a different process. Yeah, and I would also say, like, being, like, not just buying the most expensive stuff has been something that I found I actually often enjoy if I find something that's maybe a little, like... Clumsy isn't the right word because it's not clumsy to use, but just something like that's a little less, pre- like 
pristine and mm-hmm. and in line with just like like industry standards i guess like something that's a little raw uh i i often find i enjoy so i think also being okay stepping outside of like the canon of like these are the tools that you use when you're like a quote-unquote real artist and being okay to just like experiment and try different stuff and and stop using something if you don't like it and on the note of expensive things there's this almost fear of wasting money Mm -hmm. like if you buy the most expensive stuff you're like i don't want to use that that was that tube of paint alone cost me ten dollars i can't that's that's special paint (laughs) Mm-hmm. And when you when you get something that's cheap, it's almost freeing in a way where you can kind of you have the the freedom to mess up with it. Yeah, and that freedom to mess up is super important. I think, like, absolutely, just kind of goes top to bottom to everything. Like, if you're not afraid to mess up, you're either going to make stuff that is probably just kind of dull or not really getting at something specific to you, or you're not going to make anything at all. Uh, so getting past that point is, is super important, uh, on every step. Won't, won't belabor this too long, because I, I would just talk about art tools forever, because that's, (laughs) that's fun to me. I like just browsing, (laughs) browsing the art, art aisles, even if I might not even use most of them. Yeah, Uh, that's dangerous. (laughs) It's very dangerous. It's It's good that the art stores aren't open near me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, where can where can people uh, find your stuff uh, on the internet? Where 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 would people uh, best locate you? Um, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch are kind of my main platforms. I'm Madam Berry on all of them. Um, Madam is spelled with an E. I've seen a couple of people misspell it without the E, and like that's yep. somebody else. I don't know who that is. Um, my workbook is available at madamberry.com/workbook. And I don't know if uh, Patreon plug is okay here. Oh, yeah. Plug plug all the um, things. Uh, my Patreon is patreon.com slash madamberry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would definitely encourage people to check out all of that. Um, would also shout out your game stuff, even though you're not doing that uh, anymore. I Just in terms of like having personally enjoyed them, I think that'd be a cool thing for people to check out. Uh, uh, you so, can find that on, I think it's madamberry.itch.io, or is it itch.io slash madamberry? It's been oh, yeah. too long yeah. since I've Yeah, sorry, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean, like, to, to implore you, like, you have to plug this. That was more of just, like, a personal recommendation. Um, I'll put all of these in the show notes as well for people, uh, so you can find all those links. Um, so, closing these out, I've had each guest kind of share. Uh, it's taken a lot of forms, but just something that's been recently meaningful or given them hope in terms of just like in 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 all of the the turmoil of 2020 writ large uh something that they've enjoyed that they'd like to shout out uh so this can be pretty much anything um people have done like the weather or (laughs) like books they've read recently or all sorts of random stuff um but yeah, so I guess there's something good that you'd like to share with people, whatever that looks like. Um, yeah, this, this is super hard right now, and I think that's exactly why it's so important. <laughs> um, aside from the fuzzy mammal that just successfully opened the door on her own. Oh no. <laughs> um, 
I guess there's an album that came out earlier this year. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Netflix's The Witcher series. Uh, I'm I'm familiar with the music but, of it. Um, the actor that plays Yaskir has a folk band called The Amazing Devil, and they oh just released God. they just released their album The Horror in the Wild earlier this year, and it's so good. It's so good. I keep coming back to it because it's I don't know why it's just something that's been carrying me through this year. Uh, is I'm not super familiar with the characters, but I do know the intro song that everybody loves. Is <laughs> is it is that the same character, or is this just another musically talented person in the cast? It's the same character. It's the okay. Part. Well then, yeah. all right, cool. Then I'm very excited for this because <laughs> yeah, like he's he he is perfect for that role because he's done like Shakespearean bard acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a folk band, so yeah, that is that is really exciting to hear because I have not watched the show, but I have listened to that song very many times, and and very much would like more in that vein. Uh, so we'll definitely check that out. Yeah, they've got two albums. I I don't know when the first one came out. It's a couple years old, um, but they're both very good. Awesome. So yeah, we'll probably check that out right after this call uh <laughs> so thanks again so much for coming on uh it was cool catching up and and seeing what you're working on these days um we'll probably try and catch a stream sometime since not a whole lot happening in terms of going outside anymore yeah. uh, <laughs> so yeah thanks again uh good luck with with your your future paintings um yeah yeah thanks for having me it was also great catching up too Critical Care is produced by me, Nate Kiernan with music by Desired you can find Desired on Bandcamp at desired.bandcamp.com I'm on Twitter at Nate Kiernan and you can keep up with everything critical related at critical.com if you like the show, maybe share it with a loved one and if you're able consider supporting the work of my wonderful guests until next time, stay safe Stay home, and remember, this is not game over. We're still fighting, and we're going to get through this.